Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. All right, beautiful people, how are we doing this morning? Good deal. Okay, we get claps and everything this morning. Y'all making me feel home. Well, whether you're here in person or online, we're happy that you guys are here with us this morning. Uh, If you are visiting and I haven't got to meet you yet, my name is Matt. Matt Lynch, and I get to serve here at CityWalk as part of the teaching team, uh, which is an honor and a privilege to be part of this team and part of this church. Um, Outside of serving here in the teaching team, I'm also a teacher here in the community at Yuba City High School. I coach track. I supervise a couple of clubs. I'm really active on that campus. Um, And it's really crazy to me that I'm actually in my eighth school year teaching at Yuba City High School. I don't know how time has a way of going like exponentially faster as the years go on, but literally it's weird to me that I'm in the middle of my eighth school year. Because when I moved here, guys, I had no kids. It was like me and my wife and Jesus, and that was it. And now it's like we got a five-year-old, a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a five-month-old. I know, we need some new hobbies. I get it, okay? I understand. But look, parenting has been fun, though. Parenting has been fun. It's cool. But the crazy thing about parenting is it really has a way, and you parents will be able to attest to this, parenting has a way of taking you to both extremes on the spectrum of, like, joy and frustration. And I'm talking, like, in a 24-hour span. Like, you can wake up in the morning, and sometimes I'll do this. I'll creep into my kids' bedrooms, and I'll look at them while they're asleep, and I'm just like, dang, man, he's just so cute. You know what I mean? Heart gets all soft, and I'm like, man, being a dad is something special. Like, they're just so cute, man. And then they wake up. <laughs> and then you have all the evidence that you need that we're all born sinners, because they're going to lie to you. They're going to be angry. They're going to fight each other. They're going to try and take some stuff that's not theirs. And you're like, my gracious, this is actually evidence right before my eyes. But guess what? Then they go, get, they go back to bed at night. And then you love them again. And it's like, man, I just went through two crazy extremes in one day. But I love sharing stuff about parenting, man, because it's easy. It's, it's fun. It's, it's laughter. And we all relate if you're a parent here. And if you're a parent, you're definitely going to relate to this next story. So if you go to my house and you walk into the living room, there's a corner that's completely, like, overtaken by a bunch of toys, right? Any parents got that corner in their house or that part in their living room? It's just, like, toy central over there, right? It's like picking shoes, man. Like, what do you want to do? There's, like, 300 toys. But for some reason, in my house, this scenario takes place almost daily. Somebody's playing with the toy. It could literally be as simple as this lizard right here. Okay, this lizard makes no noise. It's literally just a lizard. And somebody's playing with it, and of all the toys in the toy bin, right, it seems like one of the other kids wants to play with this exact toy at the exact same time. So now we got an argument going on about this one toy that does nothing. This is literally probably just a paperweight, but they want to argue about who's going to use that toy when there's a whole entire selection of toys over here, in the midst of them arguing, somebody will say something crazy out their mouth like, hey, that's mine. And so for me, that's my cue to be a godly parent, walk over there, take the toy. Which one of y'all jokers paid for this? (laughs) I'm waiting. Which one of y'all paid for this? Exactly. You didn't pay for it, you didn't pay for it. So actually, this is daddy's toy. And since daddy paid for it, if you guys are going to be selfish and not share it, daddy going to take it away. Now, I don't know about you guys. Anybody have a parent grow up that used that one statement, I brought you in this world and I could take you out? I haven't used that one yet, but it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> right? But I'll just take the toy away and be like, you know what? You didn't pay for it. You're going to be selfish with it. 
fine. It is what it is. And here's the thing. Um, even if you're not a parent, you can probably remember your childhood with your siblings or even with uh, some friends at, uh, in your neighborhood or at recess. And you kind of have a story that you can remember. Like you probably remember that one toy that you got and you're like, man, like I really like this toy. This is cool. And you wanted to make sure that you showed it off. But you also want to make sure that you let people know, like, yeah, this is mine. This is my toy right here. And then you let them hold it for a minute. And as soon as they start to get, like, too comfortable with it, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's mine. <laughs> let me get that back, right? So whether with your siblings or whether with your friends, for me, it was Stretch Armstrong. Anybody remember Stretch Armstrong? Stretch Armstrong was my joint. I would stretch him so far. I probably went through two of them joints because I busted a couple of them, right? But Stretch Armstrong was my toy. And you'd show it around, let people play with it. By the end of the day, you wanted people to know, hey, that's mine. And here's the deal. Whether you're a kid, whether you're a teenager, young adult, parent, or you're a seasoned individual in life, okay, we all kind of do this same thing no matter how old we are, all right? If, if you've been around for a while, you guys know I tell on myself every time I preach. So a couple days ago, literally at work, I'm hungry, it's lunchtime, so I go out to the food trucks, about to give me some pizza, and I walk up, and the guy's just super generous and was like, hey, you know what? Two pieces of pizza, it's on me today. I say, what? Free pizza? <sighs> Take that. Thank you. So now I'm walking back to my office, and I'm like, man, I just saved five bucks today, got two huge slices of pizza, like, this is good, let's go. And on my way back to my classroom, hey, Coach Lynch, what's up? Hey, what's going on? Hey, coach, let me, let me get a slice of that pizza. Now, before you judge me, <laughs> I gave him a slice of that pizza, okay? But I will be honest. My first thought, my first reaction was like, nah, bro, this is mine. What are you talking about? And then I was like, damn, I just got two pizzas for free, and they're really big, and I don't need both of them. I should probably give up one of these slices of pizza. But it wasn't my first response. And so now you guys know for a fact, okay, let's, let's be honest. When Thanksgiving comes on Thursday and you have the last roll on your plate, or you got the last corner of mac and cheese, or you got the last piece of ham and somebody comes around and they ask you for that last piece, unless you Jesus, your first response is going to be like, bro, this is mine. <laughs> I'm sorry. You snooze, you lose. This is my roll, right? And so all of us can relate that sometimes we have things that, hey, let's be real, that we kind of want them to ourselves. They're ours. Um, and even in different areas of our life, outside of food and toys, we can be that way. Some of our resources, like food, we can be that way. Like, hey, that's mine. Our money, like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's mine. Uh, information, networking opportunities, but different things that are brought our way. Sometimes we kind of hold it super, super close to us and say, hey, this is for me. This is mine. And because of that mentality of having that statement in our head of, hey, this is mine, we often miss some really good opportunities uh, to serve God and to serve people. Um, and so at the end of the day, though, we all know, yeah, that's probably true for me, for most of us. We'd agree on that. But God ain't done with us, right? He ain't done with me. So at the end of the day, I'm still growing in this thing, man. So if I don't share my food this Thanksgiving, God's still working on me. All right, he's still working on all of us. But here's the thing. For today, I want us to shape our thought on this phrase, okay? Everything I have is from God and for God. All right, that's going to help us today. And the parable that we talk about is going to speak on this a little bit. But for a second, I want you to just look at your neighbor real quick and say, you know what, neighbor? Everything I have is from God and for God. Tell your neighbor that real quick. Now look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, let me hold $5 real quick. <laughs> Everybody's like, nah, bro, you're going too far. All right, but for real, we're going to talk about a parable today, and this parable is going to shape our thoughts on that idea, right, that everything that I have is from God, and that everything that I have is also for God. Now, before we hop in this, let's, you know, we talked about a couple of parables a couple of weeks ago, but let's get a refresher. Uh, parables are short stories that actually have a spiritual meaning. 
And the stories are usually easy to understand on the surface level, but the spiritual context of the parable usually is only revealed to those who are actually seeking to understand. Like the spiritual depth of a parable usually doesn't come to somebody who's just listening like, oh, okay. It usually takes some intentional seeking to understand parables. And we usually give, not usually, but there's really only three responses that you can give to a parable. Right? The first response that we can give today when we leave here is, I don't know what Coach Matt was talking about. You, can, you don't see yourself in the story, and you just kind of walk out of here like that was a weird Sunday. That dude in dreadlocks should not be up on stage ever again. Right? And you just kind of move up, and you just move on with your life and just keep going. Right? The second response that we can give is a response where we see ourselves in the story, and we're like, dang, man, I see myself in that parable. I, I see what Jesus is trying to say. I see how that parable actually is speaking to me. But we harden our hearts and we say, nah, I'm the exception, though. I'm the exception. That, that doesn't really apply to me. And like, I understand what it's trying, but nah, 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 not me. I'm the exception to that. And so what we do is we harden our heart and then we lie to ourselves about some truth, right? Or the third response that we can give to parables is one where we're listening. We say, dang, I see myself in that parable. Jesus is definitely revealing something about my heart. And so we confess it, and then we just recalibrate our heart, and we grow, right? It's like, okay, I get it. Let me recalibrate. My, my heart's in the wrong spot. Let me get aligned and focused, and then we just grow from it, right? So those are really the three responses that we can give. So today, when we hop into this, my prayer is that God would give us ears to hear and a heart to receive, and that if the parable is dealing with us, that we just recalibrate and grow. Amen? You down for that? Cool. So today's parable is the parable of the talents. And so to make sure that we don't get confused before we even hop in here, in this parable, when it's talking about talents, it's actually talking about a measurement of money, right? The modern day, we use talents as like gifts, talents, and we will talk about that, but in the text, when it's talking about talents, it's talking about a measurement of money. So I just want to throw that out there. And so leading up to this parable that Jesus is teaching that we're going to go over today, a couple of uh, things took place before Jesus got to telling this story. And so he's sitting with his guys, and you know he, he begins to tell them about the end-time prophecies. So he's telling them about the things that are about to come, stuff that hasn't taken place yet, but he's giving them some foresight into what's going to happen. So he tells them, like, hey, in the end of times, man, people are going to come in my name, and they're going to misuse it, right? And some of you, you be like, yeah, that's why I stopped going to church, because people were claiming Jesus and doing crazy things, right? But Jesus already warned us, hey, that's going to happen. There's going to be people who come in my name, and they ain't going to be giving some good information, and they're going to come in my name, and they're going to misuse it, right? But Jesus tells the disciples, hey, that's going to happen, right? He also tells them that, hey, there's going to be people who follow me, and then they give up, and they go away, and they stop following me. Guys, that's going to happen. So when everybody else starts falling away and doesn't want to follow me anymore, I'm telling you right now, it's going to happen. So don't be part of that number. People are going to give up on the faith, and they're going to walk away. He's telling them these things. And then he says, hey, in the end of days, man, people's love for one another, it's going to grow cold. People are going to be selfish. People aren't going to want to interact with people. They're going to want to stay in their own little bubble, and they're just not going to have that much love for each other. And that's just the direction that things are going. He's telling them these things, but then he says, I'll be coming back. I'll be coming back. So he tells them all these things that are going to take place that are kind of overwhelming for him, but then he gives them hope, and he says, hey, but I'm coming back, guys. And so it's that conversation that leads us into this parable. And really, Jesus teaches multiple parables with this same idea of, hey, I'm going away, but I'm coming back. So what happens in the in-between? And that's kind of what these parables are. And so this particular one, we can actually start reading now, uh, Matthew uh, 25, verse 14. And it's going to be on the board if you, uh, you want to just follow along. So verse 14 says, for it is just like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one, he gave five talents. Remember, it's a measurement of money. He gave five talents, to an and to another, he gave two talents. 
and to another one talent, depending on each one's ability. Then he went on a journey. So real quick, let's just uh, think about this. So this master is giving out measurements of money, right? And you're thinking talent like, dude, what country, what century? What is a talent, right? Well, a talent is roughly 75 pounds. And so um, historians, they don't really know if he's talking about silver or gold, but they both agree it's probably one of those two measurements. So if anybody likes math, tune in with me real quick, okay? We're going to use silver for this measurement. So 75 pounds of silver, let's just say. If he were to get uh, five talents, right, the first guy got five talents, that's 375 pounds of silver. Now, I'm not a strong guy, okay? But when I add up, like, my bench press and my power clean, that's still barely 375 pounds. Like, this is a lot of weight, a lot of silver. This is not like, hey, what you get in your little piggy bank at home. Like, this is, this master has given this dude a lot of money. Today, it would be like $118,000, which for you, you're like, okay, $118,000, I could pay off my car. I could put a nice dent into my house. But look, $118,000, if that doesn't move you, you got to think. This was 2,000 years ago, $118,000. So when you're talking in the context of what Jesus is telling these people, $118,000 2,000 years ago was a couple million dollars to these people. So you're talking like, I got an NFL salary just given to me. This is different, right? If this is you and there's no gas that you have to pay for, there's not 12% inflation that you have to worry about, like you are hype. Like I just, this mass, what? The generosity, it's crazy. And if you're living in this context, like you don't even have to worry about keeping up with the Joneses. You are the Joneses if you get this much, right? And so... We have to think about the, the amount that Jesus is, or the, the master has given them. But what the master gave them was not for them to be selfish with. What the master gave them was something for them to steward. The scripture says that he entrusted this resource to them. And so it was their responsibility to take this, to steward it, and to make the most of every opportunity so that way they can bring glory to their master. So that way they could serve their master with it. And so they had to realize that, hey, this money is from God, but this money is for God. This money was from my master, but his money is also for my master. And so we're still trying to shape our minds in that thought. So let's hop back in the text in verse 16. And it says this, Immediately the man who received five talents went and he put them to work and he earned five more. So he got his talents. He said, bruh, I can't believe I got this much money. Let me put this thing to work. I'm going to double it, triple it, quadruple it. Let me get going right now. I'm about to make the most of this opportunity. And then verse 17 says, in the same way, the man with two, he earned two more. So both of them, they have this mindset of like, dang, this is an opportunity. Let's get after it. Like, they're actively seeking opportunities to bring increase to the master. Like, hey, you've entrusted me with this. Let me make you proud. Let me go and handle this. Like, I can't believe you've been so gracious and generous to let me be a steward of this much of your resource. Let me go out and let me get to work and let me be active to bring increase. But then verse 18, it says, But when the man who had received one talent went off, he dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came, so he came back, and he settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents approached, presented five talents, and said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I've earned five more talents. Verse 21, his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, I will put you in charge of many things, sharing your master's joy. The man with the two talents also approached. He said, Master, you gave me two talents. See, I've earned two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things, sharing your master's joy. 
the man who had received one talent, he approached and he said, Master, I know you. You're a harsh man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went, and I hid your talent in the ground. See, here you go. You have what is yours. His master replied to him, you evil, lazy servant. If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with bankers, and I would have received my money back with interest when I return. So these first two servants, they look at what they had, and their heart was grateful for an opportunity to serve their master, and they sought out ways to bring increase without hesitation. And then this third servant gets reprimanded. And those aren't nice words. Like the third servant gets called like evil and lazy. And this idea of lazy, guys, in this scripture is the idea of an unwillingness to use energy mentally or physically. It's this idea of constantly seeking comfort. It's this idea of, I'm not going to do anything that challenges me mentally, or I'm not going to do anything that challenges me physically. I'm going to constantly pursue only the things that I'm comfortable with. And so when he got his resources, it was a challenge to find ways to put it into use, and so he didn't. Like, bro, I'm about to just dig it in a hole. I can't think about, I don't know, do I go Bitcoin? Do I go this? Like, oh, my God, I can't think of it. It's so overwhelming. So I'm just going to dig it in a hole. And I'm going to give it back to him when he gets back, right? It's this idea of this unwillingness to get out of your comfort zone. And so at the end of the day, this third servant, he was just like, he didn't want the responsibility. It was too much work, right? But then the master also calls him evil. Like, bro, I don't know about you, but I don't ever want to be called evil, guys, <laughs> Like, if somebody actually called me evil, I'd be like, what? Are you kidding me? But here's the idea. This is why the master calls him this. So the master calls him this because he's making a statement and a phrase that doesn't line up with who the master actually is. Right? He calls the master harsh. But he didn't understand that the master was actually giving him an opportunity and was actually giving him so much resources. How can you call me harsh when I'm actually being so gracious to you? And it's the same thing for us. Like if we had anybody who spoke out on our name, like if anybody called you like, oh, man, hey, don't hang out with such and such, man, because they blue, 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 blue. And that got back to you. You'd be like, whoa, how could you, how could you call me those things? And really what it comes down to is, they probably just don't know you. And so it's the same thing with this servant. This servant didn't really know his master. The first two, they knew the master. Like, hey, you're a generous master, and I am grateful for this opportunity. The third one didn't really know the master, and that's why he was misconstrued with what was going on here. He was lazy, and he spoke out against the master's name, but he didn't really know the heart of the master. And so he got confused with the opportunity that was given to him. And so here's the bottom line. This servant didn't know his master, and the text says that he was also afraid. But afraid of what? Right? If he knew the kindness in his master's heart, if he knew the generosity that this master really had, then he would have known that the master actually wasn't concerned with how much he brought back. The master's more concerned about him actually stepping out and taking a risk and trying to do something for him with the resources. You guys with me? And sometimes we get in the same way. We look at what we have and we're like, uh, I know I have this resource. I know I have this gift. And we get afraid to use it, afraid to implement it, afraid to provide it with people. But in day, God's saying, like, it doesn't matter what you bring back. I just want somebody who has a heart to use what they have for other people. So right now, you might be sitting in this room, and I'm going to tell you right now, all of us in this room, myself included, are called to serve God at a greater capacity than we already are. How can I say that? Because that's literally how Jesus works. He never wants to keep us in our comfort zone. He doesn't. He gives us more and more resources. He wants to give us more and more responsibility. 
But he's always calling us to that edge. Like, hey, Matt, stand in front of people and start preaching. I'm good. (laughs) But no, here I am, right? And I literally remember being like 19, 20 years old, and I would have dreams at night of an entire sermon. Like, I wake up in the morning, I could write out an entire sermon because I dreamed about myself standing in front of people, actually preaching, but then I wake up and be like, no, <laughs> no. And I remember talking to my mentor, and he's like, dude, don't run from it. Like, you got you to gotta, you gotta answer this thing. You got to pursue it. And so in each of us, I want to encourage you guys that when you get that pull, okay, look at it as an opportunity, that we don't run from, but we're like those first two servants, like, hey, man, all right, God, you want to use me in this way? Let's have at it. Let's get going. So we look back in the text, and let's hop back in verse 28 and see what the master says. Um, He says some gut-wrenching words, but let's hop back in here. Verse 28, the master says this, take the talent from him, talking about that third servant, and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And throw this good-for-nothing servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So long story short, this servant did his own thing. This This servant went his own way, and the servant had his own plan. And because of that, there were some repercussions, right? He understood the assignment, but he gave excuses, and it cost him. So why this parable, Jesus? Where are we going with this? Why? Is, this, is there more to this, Jesus? What am I supposed to extract? Is this supposed to be just like an investing story gone bad? Like, where are we going with this? And so let's take a minute and let's dissect what's really taking place uh, in this parable. So number one, you probably already figured it out, but the master represents Jesus, right? Thumbs up if you knew that. Like, yeah, I'm all right. One for one. Here we go. All right? And the servants, they represent us, right? The servants represent all the people walking scattered abroad this earth, right? We all represent them. So I'm I'm representing the servants. Everybody in this congregation represents servants. If you're listening online, we represent the servants. And so if the servant's responsibility in this parable was to use what the master gave them, then it's also our responsibility to use what God gives us to bring increase for, the, for God, right? And so here's three things that God gives all of us, right? Three things that God gives all of us. So the first one time. Second one, talents. Third one, treasures. God gives us this. And so time, we know, is a a really, like, precious commodity. Like, we care about our time, where it's spent, what we do with it. Um, But sometimes we tend to hold our time selfishly. Like, sometimes we're like, bro, I know I probably should go visit my mom, but nah, I ain't gonna do that. I probably should make this phone call to this dude that I've been thinking about, Need to connect them. I heard he's been going through a rough stage in his life. I just ain't got time for that, though. Uh, I should probably go swing by and visit this person. I ain't got time for that. And we look at our time, and we look at it selfishly, and we don't look at our time as a responsibility to steward what God's given us. Because every day we wake up is a gift from God. And every day we wake up, we have an opportunity to use our time in a way that impacts people and to use our time in a way that brings God glory. So two practical things, two practical things that everybody in this room can do to use their time in a way that brings God glory. Here we go. Spend time with God and serve people. Those two things. You want to make a difference. You want to honor God with your time. Spend time with God. Read his word. Spend time in prayer. Find, even if it's just one worship song that you like that really speaks to your heart and really reminds you of the goodness of God, but spend time with God and serve people. Those two things are ways that we can honor God and be good stewards with the time that he gave us. All right. And so with the serving people, it could be simple as looking in your own household and say, how can I serve my household better? 
right? And then you can maybe even look outside your house and say, okay, I go to work every single day. How can I serve the people at my job better? I see them every single day. I could either ignore them. I could either gossip with them. I could either be in conflict with them, or I could just find ways to serve them. But I got to see these jokers every day anyway, right? I might as well find ways that I can bless them and serve them, right? Or even with your time, maybe you feel like, you know what, God, it, it, it's, time for me to, it's time for me to plug into a city group. It's time for me to plug in and give more of my time to something that's related to growing your kingdom. And so somewhere on that spectrum, we all probably fall on what we can do to serve God better with our time. But then the next thing is talents, right? God's given all of us talents. And now I'm not talking about the 375 pounds of silver. Now I'm talking about the modern day idea of talents. God has uniquely gifted everybody in this room a certain way, right? You might have a gift of leadership. You might have a gift of just being able to like execute things. You might have a gift of teaching. You might have a gift of X, Y, Z. But at the end of the day, we're all gifted in some type of way. And so we just finished a series, if you were here the last couple of weeks, called Counterculture. And the culture would tell us, hey, take your resources, use them as leverage to put yourself in a good position. Use those resources to increase your power. Use those resources to climb up on the charts, to climb up on that ladder. But Jesus would say, hey, take those resources and find ways to serve people with them. Take those talents, take those gifts, and find ways to serve people with it. And so like I said a minute ago, I coach and I teach. And I'm going to be real 100 with y'all right now. I'm trying to go to state every single year. I'm a competitive coach. I'm not getting into coaching just to lose. Nah, like I legit want to win. I'm a coach. I want to win. But at the end of the day, I know that I've been gifted as a coach not just to say, oh, I've won this many section titles, I've won this many states, my relay team, da-da, we da No, I know that I've been gifted as a coach to connect with kids, to give kids hope, to be an illustration of Jesus, and to hopefully plant a seed that one day somebody who I coach comes to follow Jesus. Like that right there means more to me than anything that I could ever win or accomplish as a coach. If I have a former athlete call me one day in their early 20s and say, Coach, thank you for showing me Jesus. I accepted him as my Lord and Savior, and I'm following him, and I just want to say thank you. To me, that goes way farther than anything I can ever do as a coach. And so I have to take this gift and I have to realize, God, you've uniquely gifted me in this way, and I want to use this as an opportunity to connect with kids, connect with families, and use it as a way to hopefully show somebody that you are who you say you are. And then we have our treasures, right? This is that third one, these treasures. And so these treasures are obviously like the the things that we can tangibly have. It's like, hey, um, our house, our cars our things, our money, our treasures, these things that, that, uh, that we would say are valuable. And so we can use these things, again, in ways to serve people. Like if you have a house, like that is a very simple thing that you can use to have people come over and just have a meal. Like you don't know how far that goes. If you've ever been a broke, struggling college student and somebody invited you over for a meal, it was like, yo, this is the best day of my life. I don't have to go to the calf. You're going to make me some warm, hot meal, right? And we have people here that just a simple meal and a simple invitation to their house, to your house, will go way farther than you ever imagined, right? Some of you can cook your hind parts off, right? And there's moms in this place that are struggling with like four, five kids, talking about my house, and uh Right? And just a simple meal of you being like, you know what? Come to my house and we're just going to cook for you guys. What? That's a plug for y'all right there. Take that. Shh. Right? Come have dinner with us. Right? But those things go a long way. Taking our treasures. If you have a car, right? Give people rides. 
Right, if you have a car, don't be thinking about, well, see, gas is 560 right now. When it drops under five, I'm going to start taking people places. When it, when it gets back to like $4.50, maybe I'll go pick up your friends and I'll take you guys somewhere. But until then, if they ain't got $5, they ain't got a ride. Right? Like, nah, if you have a car, man, just realize that that car is a gift from God and for God. And we can use all these simple things as a way. Because guess what? You don't know how one car ride can actually let one of your friends or one of your children's friends have a conversation that goes a long way. Right? There are many people who, if they're sitting in a car with you, there could be one conversation, and they hear something that you say about something, and then it sparks something in them like, huh, such and such as dad said this, and that kind of stuck to me. Car rides are great opportunities if we're willing to take people places, right? And so we have to remember that these resources, again, are from God and for God. But guys, this is where this thing, we're going we're gonna to poke in a little bit more. This is where this parable gets a little deeper, okay? Because we can talk about the time, the talents, and the treasures, but really, guys, the most important part that we need to understand from this parable is that if you are a follower of Jesus or you're not a follower of Jesus, this parable is talking about the amazing gift of our salvation. Like this parable, Jesus is trying to use to get you to understand that I have given an opportunity for you to be forgiven from everything that you've done. I've given you the opportunity to receive grace that is undeserved. I'm given an opportunity for you to receive mercy and not get the punishment that you actually deserve. And so this parable is actually deeper because what's going on here is Jesus is saying there is so much to this gift of salvation and this opportunity to be in a relationship with me. How are you going to use it? Because I've given everything for you guys. How much more can I give, God says, than my son? How much more can I give? Then my son to come down, to die on the cross, to love, to serve, to heal, and then to be resurrected and give you guys an example of my heart. How much more can I give? And it's really that where everything stems from. Everything stems from how we understand that right there. How we understand this gift of salvation, how we understand what God has done for us, everything stems from that. And so these first two servants, they represent those who see God's gift of salvation as something that is far beyond what they deserve. So they immediately are filled with gratitude, and they're saying, I got to do something about this. That's what those first two servants represent. They represent those that when they come into a relationship with Jesus and they realize I was living like boo-boo the fool and now I'm forgiven, I'm given a second chance, somebody has to hear this message. That I was broken, I was hurt, I was abused, I was all this, nobody liked me, I was mistreated, I was lonely, I was X, Y, Z, I was going through all this pain and loneliness in my heart, but Jesus stepped in and saved my soul and put me on a rock of solid ground. What am I going to do about that? Those first two servants are the ones that represent those that are like, God has done so much in my heart. What can I do? Not, oh, I have to do? No, God has done so much. What can I do? That's what those first two servants represent. And here's something I want you guys to think about as well. I want you to hold on to. We don't serve God to make him glad. We serve God because he has made us glad. Like That is something really important for us to, to understand. I'm going to say it again. We don't serve God to make him glad. We serve God because he has made us glad. See, bad teaching will have you think, oh, I'm supposed to work, 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 work for God. I'm supposed to work, 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 work. No, these servants represent those who are serving as a response to what has happened. They're not serving as an obligation to, oh, my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. The master is making me do this. The master, oh, my God. And they're just sinking and sinking and sinking. No, 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 no. That's not the gospel. 
We serve God because he has made us glad. And for some of us, that's why we've walked away from the church. Let's be real. For some of us, you're like, man, I feel all this pressure. I got to do this. I got to do that. And you thought that Christianity and serving God was like this task of got to do this, got to do that. Or maybe you even lived with somebody who was a minister. And you lived with a dad who was a pastor or you had an uncle. And it seemed like, man, all they do is work, work, work for God. And like, I just don't want to be any parts of that. And, and really, we just had a, a, a bad example or a bad representation. And we didn't understand that, hey, God doesn't want us to work from that place. God wants us to understand how much he loves us, how much he wants to be in relationship from, with us. And from there will stem the things that we do. And so here at City Walk, it's really important, really important to us that we also have that same heart. Like, we don't want anybody in here to feel like they have to serve. And we even, we even map things out in a way to where it doesn't happen. Like, if, you, if you've been visiting for a while or you've been part for a while, you know that, hey, the first thing that we want to encourage you guys to do is just come to Intro to City Walk, right? Intro to City Walk is uh, uh, held uh, once a month, and it's basically where you can ask questions about, hey, how did the church start? And we give you some uh, tidbits of what we believe and how things go. And then from there, the second thing that we want you to do is for your growth, not for work. But we want to encourage you guys, if you've gone to Intro to City Walk, that the next practical step for you to grow in your relationship with God is to get into a group. Because we understand that when you are in a circle of people who are sharing the things that God is doing in their heart and are sharing what they're learning from the scriptures, you're going to leave that place a little bit more encouraged and a little bit more motivated. We don't want you to go to Intro to City Walk and say, all right, we need you to join this team. We need you to join this team. We need you to join this team. Like, no, if you are here, we want you first to take that step of, city, of going to Intro to City Walk and then getting plugged into a group. Because there will be exponential growth in your relationship with God by combining a Sunday and a group. Or even if you have to choose between the two of them, like Chris has said this before, and I can attest to this, it's probably going to be more beneficial for you to join a group than to come on Sunday. Like if you have to choose between the two, we want you to be committed to a group where you can grow in fellowship with people and you could be in some godly conversations that will help you grow in your faith. Amen? Man, so we don't serve God to make him glad. We serve God because he has made us glad. And here's the thing. The more that you press in to get to know God, the more you will want to actually serve God. But if you're trying to serve God without pressing in to know God, that's where burnout happens. That's where things get misconstrued. That's when you want to throw in the towel. And that's when you're like, man, what, what is, like, no, no, no. So it's, it's really important to us that we as a congregation are moving forward to knowing God because we believe everything will stem from knowing God first. And the more that we know God, the more that our heart will bubble up with saying somebody must know. Somebody must know this message. How can I use what I have to bring glory to God, because the more you know him, the more you'll want to serve him. And so it brings us back to that statement. Everything I have is from God and for God. But then it goes deeper. Everything that I am is from God and for God. The reason that I can forgive people is because I've been forgiven. The reason I can be patient with people is because I realize how patient God has been with me. The reason why I can love people the way I love people is because I realize as I press in to know God how much he actually loves me. So all that I am is from God. Everything that he's poured into me, the way that he's shaped me, the way that he's loved me, the way that he's forgiven me, the way that he's walked with me, the way that he's healed me, the way that he's given me a sound mind, the way that he's strengthened my heart, everything that I am is from God and is for God. So as he pours into me, I pour out. As he loves on me, I love. As he's forgiven me, I forgive. As he shows me mercy, I show mercy. 
As he's patient with me, I am patient. But that happens as we press in to know him first. And if we have a faulty understanding of who God is and a faulty understanding of what he's made available to us, if we have a faulty understanding of the gospel and just how much God has actually uh, gifted us with, then we're going to be like that third servant. Nah, it's my time. Me time. I ain't got time for that. Oh, no, this is my money. Nope, get a job. This is mine, right? Or, no, you know what? I just choose to not forgive them. They've offended me so much, I'm holding on to this grudge, right? But the more we understand what God has given, the more we understand the depths of his forgiveness, the more we're able to be like, you know what? I may be offended, but because I'm forgiven, I forgive. And so we're left with the same opportunity as those servants. In Matthew 28, 19, Jesus says this, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. See, we've been given an opportunity just like these servants in the parable. We have people all around us that need to know what we know about Jesus. And we have resources and tools that we can use to be a connector and use to get into a conversation that helps people see and know who God is. And so those first two servants, they heard from the master, well done, well done. And there's a level of accountability that we don't always like to talk about. But when we leave this earth, we're going to stand before the Lord. And we're going to have to answer some questions. And and, and at the end of the day, are we going to hear, well done? You stewarded your resources for my glory. You sought out opportunities to use what I have blessed you with so someone can come to know you. You've understood the level of my forgiveness, so you chose to forgive. You understand the depths of my love, so you choose not to take offense and instead love. Are we going to hear, well done? And so if you're a follower of Jesus, I want to give you um, a challenge, right? This week, think of just one thing, one thing that you can intentionally say, okay, God, I understand you've given me this time, this breath, this day. How can I use this time for your glory? Or, God, I understand that you've given me this gift, this talent, this ability. How can I use this for your glory? Or, God, you've given me this resource. How can I use this resource for your glory? Just find one thing. And remember, don't put it in a place of, obligation, put in a place of understanding that he didn't have to give it to you. And he could be just like my kids. Oh, you're going to be, I'm going to take it on back. I'm going to take it on back. Right? But as you enter this week, think of one thing that you might be able to say, this is what I'm intentionally going to do because I understand how much you've done for me, God. And if you're not a follower of Jesus in here, if, like, if that's not a category that you put yourself into, I want to encourage you that above all else, this gift of salvation is something that is for you. It is something that I want you to be encouraged to really lean into, that God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for all of us, for you. Even when you feel like the scripture says that even yet while we were sinners, Christ died. Like even if you feel like you are unlovable, unforgivable, and that you've done some things or that you're just not worthy of this, oh, we're not worthy of it. And that's why the gift is so precious. And so if you're not in that category yet, I want you to lean in this week and really start to meditate on the things that God actually has gifted you with. And this opportunity to walk into a loving, 
relationship with him. Let's bow our heads. If you're here this morning and you want to start a relationship with Jesus and something just, something just connected in your heart, you're just like, man, like I, God went to the depths to give us his son as a gift. And if you want to start a relationship with Jesus today, it's very simple. Right where you're sitting, you can simply just admit to God that you've sinned. Right where you're sitting, in your heart, you can just admit, like, you know what, God, I've done my own thing. I've gone my own direction. And I admit that I've sinned. And in your heart, you can believe right now that God sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, to forgive us and to bring us back into relationship with him, and that by the power of God, Jesus resurrected from the grave. And that his blood was shed for you. You believe that right now. You admit that. You believe that. And then the last thing, just choose to put yourself in a position to grow in that faith. That could mean, hey, all right, you know what? Let me align myself and just start picking up that Bible a little bit more. Let me align myself and let me just start coming to church a little bit more often. Let me align myself and put myself in position. If you just admit and believe and then choose, you are making the steps of growing into your faith and your relationship with Jesus. And if you've done that this morning, we really want to pray for you. Like, we really want to pray for you. There's cards in front of you. All right, there's a prayer card, there's a decision card, and we want to pray with you, and we want to celebrate with you. And so if you just fill one of those cards out, we would love to partner with you and be alongside with you so that we can be part of your journey as you grow. And if you are a believer in here, maybe there's that, that thing that just automatically comes to your attention, like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And for some of you, it might be something big. It might be something challenging. I encourage you, write that on the prayer card. Like, if you're feeling like, man, I need to do this with my time. I need to do this with my treasure. I need to do this with my talents. Write it on that prayer card. And we want to pray with you that God would give you the strength and the courage to use what he's given you for his glory. We love you guys so much. Thank you for being here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.